Good afternoon, everyone, all around this beautiful world. Laszlo Montgomery with you, as always, with another Chinese Sayings podcast episode. Hard to believe this season is already coming to a glorious end. Or is it? I kid you not, I was able to convince Emma to come back one more time for a bonus episode to cap another award-winning season of this podcast show that never steers you wrong with any deceptive titles. The Chinese Sayings Podcast. What you see is what you get. And for the fourth time, at least since we began this family program back in 2016, we snagged another one from the Sanguo Church, the Record of the Three Kingdoms. This great classic from antiquity covers those years of the fall of the Eastern Han clear through to the Three Kingdoms period. We have Chen Shou to thank for this text that he compiled in the Jin following the reunification of the country. And before we hear the story from this text taken from the Record of Wei, let's break down the four characters that make up this Chengyu. Da Qi Wan Cheng. Da means big or great. And qi means a utensil of some sort, but in the case of this Yu, it means capacity or talent. And da qi together means men of great talent or capable people. Wan means late and cheng means accomplish or succeed or to become or turn into. And when you line it all up, we get men of great talent, late, turn into. Well, I guess we can figure out where this one is going, but let's get to the story already and find out who this Chinese saying is referring to. We're back in the waning years of the Eastern Han Dynasty, so it's a given that the Cao family will figure prominently in our story. Cao Cao and his sons Cao Pi and Cao Zhi are characters in this tale. But the star of our episode is someone who served the Cao family, and his name was Cui Yan. He was a famous swordsman who later became a learned scholar and a trusted advisor of Cao Cao. He was born into a very honored and esteemed family from the Qinghe Commandery, one of the 36 that were established in the Qin Dynasty. Qinghe was located in southern Hebei in western Shandong, and the Cui family would later rise to even greater prominence during the 6th and 7th centuries. But in his early years, Cui Yan was renowned for his skills handling a sword. His excellent sword play allowed him to travel far and wide and make many friends. But as Cui Yan's fame spread and people fawned all over him like the sports athletes in our day, the word began to get out that although he was a brilliant swordsman, he wasn't much of a man of learning and had no interest in studying or knowledge. One day, Cui Yan went to call on someone who was respected as a noted scholar. When the man's servant answered the door and Cui Yan introduced himself, the servant told him to wait outside while he announced Cui Yan to his master. Not five minutes had passed when the servant came back to Cui Yan and said, My master says he's too busy with his studies to spend time on trivial matters. Upon hearing this, Cui Yan was deeply ashamed and downright humiliated. He understood this message to mean that even though he was a well-known swordsman, the scholar thought there was nothing to gain by inviting him into his study for a conversation. Beyond his handiness with a sword, he was someone of little substance and had no knowledge of the world. 
After swallowing this bitter pill, Cui Yan secretly resolved that from then on, he would study as hard as he could until he became someone renowned both for his scholarship and his swordplay. And true to his resolve, Cui Yan spent years studying until he too became noted for his knowledge, wisdom, and strategy. So famous and renowned did he become, he was hired as one of the advisors to the famous warlord Cao Cao, who had rose to become the de facto head of the Han Dynasty. In Cao Cao's military base, Ye Cheng, in today's southern Hebei province near present-day Handan, Cui Yan quickly rose through the ranks and became one of Cao Cao's favorite strategists. Indeed, Cao Cao valued Cui Yan's opinion so much that the day came when he asked Cui Yan which of his sons he should make heir to his considerable territories. Cao Cao had already been granted the title of a vassal king by Han Emperor Xian and ruled the autonomous kingdom of Wei, which was nominally still under the Han Dynasty. Cui Yan gave this advice to Cao Cao. Sir, I know you wish to make your youngest son, Cao Zhi, heir to your position. But since ancient times, there has been a Confucian tradition of giving precedence to eldest sons. If you break this tradition, your court ministers will be surprised and unsettled. And even worse than that, your eldest son, Cao Pi, may begin to have mutinous thoughts. Thus, you will have planted the seeds of your own dynasty's destruction. I beg you to turn your eyes upon history. Has it ever ended well when a father passed over an elder brother for a younger one? Cao Cao was extremely pleased with this advice. This was because he knew that Cui Yan was speaking in an unbiased manner and strictly following the Confucian tradition. He was related to Cao Zhe through his mother. Yet despite this... Cui Yan had still recommended Cao Pi for succession over Cao Zhi. And from then on, Cao Cao respected Cui Yan even more for his fair-mindedness and later promoting him to the high position of Zhong Wei, commandant of the capital. A Zhong Wei in today's military ranking is akin to a first lieutenant. Cui Yan had a young kinsman named Cui Lin, Cui Lin was a dissolute youth and a borderline wastrel who was not at all well regarded by his fellow Cui family relatives. They had looked down on him as the family ne'er-do-well who would never amount to anything. But only Cui Yan saw him in a different light. After Cui Yan had risen to such great heights in Cao Cao's Wei kingdom, becoming a powerful and well-respected military advisor, he remembered his own younger days when he had done nothing except roam around practicing with his sword. It had taken him a while to shake off his past and work hard to attain a modicum of greatness in the government. And he therefore said to anyone who would listen, the greater the latent potential someone has, the longer it will take for this potential to manifest itself. Don't dismiss Cui Lin. I'm sure he will eventually become someone extraordinary. Here, Cui Yan uttered our feature Cheng Yu for this episode when he mentioned that Cui Lin was a clear case of Da Qi Wan Cheng, that, contrary to what his Cui relatives thought, Cui Lin would later in life become someone of importance and value to the state. And true to Cui Yan's prediction, indeed, 
Cui Lin did eventually become a high-ranking official, faithfully serving the kingdom of Cao Wei in a number of important positions until the end of his days. So his family didn't think much of his prospects, but Cui Yan, looking at his own life experience, knew that his young relative Cui Lin was a case of Da Qi Wan Cheng, and that his great talent would one day later on manifest itself. That's the way it is sometimes. Da Qi Wan Cheng. Some of us don't really reveal their greatness or peak in their careers till much later in life. He didn't work in the government, but Ray Kroc was a case of Da Qi Wan Cheng. He didn't turn McDonald's into the fast food empire it became until he was well into his 50s. And you could say the same thing about Colonel Harlan Sanders of KFC. Nelson Mandela, Winston Churchill, Angela Merkel, they too were examples of Da Chi Wan Chung. They didn't shine on the world stage until well into their 50s. So this is a good Chung Yu to keep handy whenever you want to describe someone who, maybe in their younger days, didn't amount to much, but who one day would achieve greatness in whatever it was they sought out to do. And this could be in politics, sports, commerce, science and engineering, or anything, even literary endeavors. Da Chi Wan Cheng. Let me just close with a quick follow-up to the uh, life of Cui Yan. In uh, 216 AD, Cui Yan got himself caught up in some political skullduggery and was accused of defaming Cao Cao in a letter. Though innocent of these charges, he ended up being stripped of his high-ranking position and tossed into prison where he was forced to commit suicide. Yeah, those years just before the fall of the Han, hmm, not for the squeamish. And on that note, we're going to close out another fine season of Chung Yu's. Let me once again give a shout out to Emma over in Beijing. She got everything done that needed to get done and kept that Chung Yu Yanjiu Zhongxin running like a Qing Dynasty mechanical Ziming clock. And speaking of Ziming Zhongs, mark it in your calendars. Next year, beginning February 1st at the London Science Museum, there's going to be an exhibition Ziming Zhong Ning Shi Chu Zhen Clockwork Treasures from China's Forbidden City. For the first time in the UK, the LSM will be showcasing a collection of 23 stunning pieces direct from the Hall of Clocks at the world-famous Palace Museum in Beijing. And I'll be there, part of all the festivities. Can't wait to see all my CHP listeners in the UK, birthplace of the Beatles. Okay, thanks for putting up with me for another season. Remember to come back again and be treated to another special bonus episode featuring our very own Emma, the jewel in the crown of the Chinese sayings podcast empire. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you again next time in Season 10 for another satisfying lineup of Chung Yus at the Chinese sayings podcast.